Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Easter. I would like uh, this, this beautiful Easter Sunday just to uh, remind you of the truth of the true gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, you remember that, that gospel is good news. And so I'd like to remind you that, that uh, the truth of the true gospel, it is good news. And I'd like to start by um, connecting for you a few uh, scriptures. And let's, let's start at 1 Corinthians uh, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, this is a, a powerful uh, passage that speaks to us of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'd like to establish right off of the right right here at the beginning. I know we know this, but but this is so incredibly important. Without without Easter everything falls apart, but with Easter everything's held together. We know Jesus goes into the tomb, and I just want to remind you and establish that he comes out. That he, he said he would go in there, and he said on the third day that he'd come out, and on the third day, he did. They, they would ask him for signs, right? You, you remember uh, Matthew 16, they come to Jesus and they, they ask him for a sign, or, uh, or John uh, chapter 2, where they come to Jesus and they say, hey man, you just cleared out the temple, now you're going to have to give us a sign that you've got authority to do that. And Jesus said, here's, here's the sign. He said, he said, this temple's going to be torn down, and in three days it'll be rebuilt. And his disciples, after he was resurrected, remembered that. And they recognized then that he was talking about his body. In Matthew 16, he said, Matthew 12 and Matthew, 6, Matthew 12, he, he said it. In Matthew 16, he reminded them of it. He said that, that a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. He said, but there's not one that's going to be given except the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah, he said, is, is that as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, and then he came out, that the Son of Man is going to be in the tomb, and then he's coming out. He is a risen Savior. And it is his resurrection that proves that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You remember in Matthew 16, he asked, he asked the question, he said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some say Elijah and some Jeremiah and some say you're a prophet. And people are saying all kinds of things about Jesus. But then he says to them, he says, Wait, yeah, but, yeah, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, without hesitation, steps up and proclaims, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 Peter, you're wrong. That, that's not who I am. Right? That's what John the Baptist did, remember? When they asked John, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're waiting for? John said, no, that's not me. He said, that's not me. He's coming. I'm just preparing the way. That's not who I am. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said to Peter, he said, you are right. He said, and this revelation didn't come to you by any other means but from my Father and then Jesus proclaimed to Peter who he was. I don't want to run too many rabbits, but it's not, till we, it's not till we know who Jesus is that we'll truly know who we are. 
Because it's only when he tells us who we are that we know then who we actually are. Now, I don't know who you think you are this morning, but, but until you know exactly who Jesus is and who he says you are, then, then you're mistaken. But when Jesus tells you who you are, then that is who you are. And he says to Peter, he says, you are, you are, he says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he goes on from there to say, it says that then he begins to tell his disciples the plan. And the plan is this, that he's going to go to the cross, that he's going to suffer and die, that he's going to be buried in a tomb, but on the third day that he's going to rise again. He tells them that's what's going to take place, and then it does. And when it happens, they already knew, but now they know that they know that they know that they know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I want you to remember this morning and know that you know that, that He has risen from the dead and He is our Lord and Savior. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God. Now, if we look at 1 Corinthians 15... Starting at verse 1, this is, this is kind of what Paul does, right? He says, he says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. So he's saying, you know, I know that we've talked about these things, but let's remember. Let's talk about them again. You remember Deuteronomy 6? The command that the Lord God is one and that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And then the command is, talk about it. Talk about it all the time. Talk about it when you sit down to eat. Talk about it when you're walking along the road. Talking about it when you get up in the morning and when you lay down at night. Make sure that you're telling your kids about it. you got to talk about this all the time. This is, this is the gospel and we've got to remember it and proclaim it and talk about it and talk about it all the time. So Paul says... I want to remind you of this gospel, and, and, and remember, this is good news. Amen? In this day and age, like when you hear somebody say, I'm about to give you some good news, that should make you smile. Because there's bad news all around. Most, all, most of, most of uh, like 90% of what you hear is bad news. Right? When you go up to somebody and you say, how are you doing? Most of the time you just get bad news. Well, I'm doing all right, but here's this. And they just, you know. Bad news all around, but, but, but here on Easter Sunday, we're gathered together to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and it is good news, I promise you. I preach the gospel I preach to you, which, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. We've got to receive this gospel, and, and then we've got to We've got to plant down on it and take our stand on the gospel of Jesus' name. There's a lot of things we can stand on, and we don't want to stand on any of those. We want to make sure that we are standing on the good news of the gospel. We receive it. We take our stand on it. One of the, one of the issues among Christians today, one of the, one of the problems in the church one of the difficulties with our America is, is there's this 
belief that I can receive it but not stand on it. This gospel that you've received and on which you have taken your stand. It's like, I want to receive the gospel. I don't want to take my stand on the gospel. The two are not separable. They're, they're, They're entwined one. You receive it. You've got to take your stand on it. By this gospel, see, I told you it's good news. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. By this gospel we are saved. If we receive it and take our stand on it and hold firmly to this gospel, the true gospel that is preached to us, by this we are saved. Uh, We hold to it, we believe in it, we take our stand on it. Now now he's going to remind us of it. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So he reminds us that Jesus went to the cross, that he shed his blood, that he suffered and died, that he did it for our sins, and he reminds us that he did it according to the Scriptures. So the Word beforehand had prophesied that this would take place and that this is what needed to take place. Now you remember... You remember uh, John chapter 1, where it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Who is that speaking of? That's speaking of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and reminding us that He is the Word. So, so here we see that the Word is going to die for our sins, and the Word has already declared that He would. Yes, hallelujah. Because He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Verse 4, that he was buried. This is very important. After Jesus was, was crucified, he was taken down off the cross and he was buried in a tomb. Actually, actually kind of went like this. There was, as, as you know, there were two others being crucified with him and they, and they came uh, and broke their legs of the other two so that they were not able to breathe so that they would go ahead and die. But when they came to Jesus, they recognized that he had already died. And so they didn't break his legs, according to the Scripture, that not a bone would be broken. But, but just to make sure, they took a spear and they pierced him in the side, and it punctured his heart, and showing that he was already dead, blood and water flowed out of his side. And then Joseph of Arimathea and... Uh, And Nicodemus, John 3, Nicodemus, came and took Jesus down off of the cross and they embalmed him in 75 pounds of spices because he was dead. They wrapped him in clothes. They put him in a a tomb, in a garden. It was a new tomb. It was close by. No one had ever been laid in it. They put him in that tomb and then it was sealed with the rock over the tomb until God said move, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was dead. But then on the third day, he was raised to life. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Again, the Word is raised and the Word already proclaimed that it would take place. Now, 
if he's not raised, then everything is for naught. Because if he's, if he's not raised, then he's not who he says he is. And so, so, you know, the debate always comes down to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so Paul says, uh, if you're confused about this, if you're wondering, let me offer some witnesses. And, and he says, he was raised according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to, uh, that's, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. So he appears to Peter, Peter sees him, a risen Savior, and then he appears to the twelve. By the way, by the way, Peter, after, after witnessing the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, gave his life to the proclaiming of the gospel and that Jesus was raised from the dead uh, until, they, until they one day took him and crucified him upside down for the testimony of our Savior. And then he appeared to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, the time that, that Paul was writing this, most of whom were still alive, uh, though, some have, though some have fallen asleep. He says, so there's still some alive. You can, go and, you can go and ask them for yourselves. And then he appeared to James. This is, uh, this is James, the, the brother of Jesus, uh, who did not believe, but when he saw Jesus' resurrected Savior, that has an impact on you, doesn't it? And he said, my goodness, everything that you said you are and that everyone else said that you are, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And by the way, James spent the rest of his days uh, uh, leading the church of Jesus Christ and, and, and then was martyred for it. Uh, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared also to me as one abnormally born. He appeared also to Paul. Uh, who, is, who is maybe the most powerful testimony of our resurrected Savior. Because you remember Paul's name was Saul, and he spent his, he was, he was, he was devoted to wiping out the church of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus met with him on the road to Damascus, and he saw that Jesus was risen, and everything shifted, everything changed, and he devoted the rest of his life he, he, uh, his name became Paul. He devoted the rest of his life to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name and suffered unimaginably for it. Was whipped, stoned, beaten with rods, imprisoned, shipwrecked, all for the gospel of Jesus' name. All he had to do was abandon it, but he could not because Jesus is risen. All that Peter had to do was abandon it, but he could not because Jesus is risen and he witnessed it. He saw it. He was there. All that James had to do was abandon it. Say, forget it, I'm done. But he, but he would not because he saw Jesus, a risen Savior. You know, they took John and boiled him in oil for the testimony of Jesus. All he had to do was say, whoa, 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 you know, forget about it. I'm lying. But he would not, he could not, because he was at the cross, he looked and watched as Jesus suffered and died, and then he saw him risen, alive, well, walked with him, talked with him, ate with him, fellowshiped with him. He knew that he had risen just as he had proclaimed. Jesus went to the cross he bled and died. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again just like he said he would. 
proving beyond any shadow of a doubt that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, if Jesus is who He says He is, now, now, now if He's not, then, then, then we go down a whole different road. But if He is who He says He is, then that changes everything. Basically, there's, there's basically like two, two responses that you can have to Jesus. I think there's really only two. I don't know that there's a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. We, we see two of them uh, in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus says he has, he has begun to teach some really difficult things. He's talked about himself as the, as the bread of life and, 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 and has brought up some challenging uh, instructions. And a lot of those people who have gathered to him and are following, right, they, they gathered to him because, you know, he's, he's feeding people and healing people and, and, and bringing amazing teaching. And so he, the crowds have gathered in when, when everything was going well for him and everything was looking great. They gathered in uh, around him. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 60. Um, and, but, but now things are starting to get hard, and this is what they say. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? They're struggling with what, what Jesus is teaching, struggling with what Jesus is saying. But, if Jesus is who he says he is, then what he teaches and says is true. Because he is the only begotten Son of God. So, so they're wrestling with, with what he's saying, and, and part, of the, part of the difficulty they're having is because they're not exactly sure who he is. Verse 61 says this, aware of this, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, now, now this is like all those people that are following him, his disciples, does this offend you? He asked this question. Uh, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before. If you, see, if you see him ascend, then maybe you'll you know, recognize that I am exactly who I say that I am. The Spirit gives life. Like we should read back over that again. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Or you could say it like this, the words I have spoken to you, just, just to make it a little stronger, they are full of the Spirit and they are full of life. The words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are full of Spirit and they are life. Now, if He is who He says He is, then this is true. If He's not, then he's just crazy. Verse 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his... This is a... a John 6, 66, 666. Uh, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
So there is, there is this response that you can have to Jesus. You can turn away from Him. You can choose to not follow Him. You can decide to not live for Him. You can abandon Him and go a completely different direction. Many, many did, and many have. They, they, they heard what He was saying. They saw what He was doing. But they had a very difficult time with believing what He said. Maybe because they didn't exactly believe who He was. Or, or maybe they believed what He said and who He was. They just didn't like what He said and who He was and what He was doing. For whatever reason, they decided that they were going to turn back and no longer follow him. Verse 66, now Jesus is going to bring about the other response. He says to his, to his 12, those close to him, he says, do you want to leave too? Uh, Jesus asked the 12, and Simon answers again, right? Simon likes to step up, and, and, and part of it is because Simon has a, has a revelation, and he's certain of some things. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter answers and says, we're not going anywhere because there's nowhere else to go. And he understands two things. And these two things are very important. And if we understand one, we should also understand the other. He recognizes that Jesus is the Holy One of God. He recognizes that, he says, I recognize that you are the only begotten Son of God, that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are the one who was and is and is to come, the first and the last, that there's no one else but you. And because he recognizes this, he also recognizes this, that you have the words of eternal life. He says, he says, I recognize that you're the Christ. And because you're the Christ, your words are life. You have the words that bring change and transformation. You have the words of abundant life. You have the words of eternal life. He recognizes that because Jesus is God, that what Jesus says is true. And you've got to see both of them. You can't just recognize that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and run away from and abandon his words. If we recognize that he is the Messiah, then we also recognize that he has the words of eternal life. And when we recognize that, there's two choices. We can join the, we can join the 666 crowd, the John 666 crowd, and walk away from Jesus and abandon Jesus? Or we can stand with the 12 who he builds his church on who said, we're not going anywhere. Peter doesn't exactly say, I understand everything and can explain everything. He doesn't say that. He says, I just recognize that you are the son of God and that what you say is true. And so I'm standing with you. You see, you know, you go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Peter, Peter has the opportunity here to either take his stand on this or not. And he takes his stand on the gospel of Jesus' name largely because of who he is. And Jesus hadn't even gone to the cross yet. And out of the tomb, 
and yet Peter already recognizes it and stands on it. I remember that as a kid, right? Like I believed in Jesus with all of my heart and I took my stand on the gospel of Jesus' name. But there was a day when I recognized, even though I'd been taught it my whole life, seemed like the Lord just gave me revelation and opened up my eyes and the light bulb came on and I said, oh my Lord Jesus, you have risen from the dead. Like they killed you on a cross and buried you in a tomb and you were dead and you came out of it alive in your body, healed and whole, just like you said you would. And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, Something happened to my faith, my strength, and, and I got planted down on, on, on that reality, that truth, and shall not be moved. Because I know that I know that I know that he's the Holy One of God, and if he's the Holy One of God, then he has the words of eternal life. If he's the Holy One of God, then what he speaks is spirit and life, full of spirit, full of Life, you say, Pastor, how do you know? I know because the tomb is empty. I know because he's been raised from the dead. I know because he called it and said he would, and then he went there and he did it, and every demon in hell tried to stop it, but they couldn't. He is alive, he is risen, and because he's alive, he is risen. This is true, and if this is true, then this is true as well. That'll change the way you read the Gospels. Because the Gospels are full of red. It's full of the Holy One of God speaking the words of eternal life. And when you recognize that He's the Holy One of God, you begin to hear the words of eternal life differently. They're not optional. They don't, they don't, they're not something we can, we can stand on or not stand on. They're the words of eternal life spoken by the Holy One of God. You see, see, see to me, this, this really takes up a notch. One of Jesus' famous stories, and I want to I remind you of it. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Oh, I'm doing good. Praise the Lord. I just looked at the clock. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking in the, in the powerful Sermon on the Mount. Now, 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 think about this differently maybe now than you have before, right? This is the Holy One of God speaking the words of life. Here he says stuff like, you've heard that it was said. He says, but I say unto you. And he can say that because he's the Holy One of God. Because he's the only begotten Son of God. And now Jesus speaking says, he says this, he gives us this story. You remember this story of the, of the wise man and the foolish man and where you build your house? Now, if Jesus is who he says he is, then this story, this teaching is true. If he's not, then you can walk away and do whatever you want to do. And you can walk away and do whatever you want to do, but you're going to have to wrestle the rest of your days with the reality of the empty tomb. You go and study the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you will just find evidence. You're going to have to come to the place of just completely lying to yourself and denying the evidence to deny the resurrection of Jesus. It is the historically proven fact. 
He went to the tomb. He rose again. Anybody who doesn't believe it or embrace it hadn't studied it, hadn't looked into it, or they're just lying to themselves. So if he is the Savior, then this is true. And if this is true, this is a helpful, life-changing teaching that Jesus brings into our lives. This is good news. Listen to this. Therefore, everyone who hears, this is Jesus speaking, right? The, the only begotten Son of God, the only one worthy to step up and take the scroll from the Father's hand, the only one worthy to, to go to the cross for all of our sins, the one who was and is and is to come, God Almighty, he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about us going out and building the house and making sure that we put it? He's talking about something different than that, right? He's talking about talking about our lives. What are we building our lives on? The house that is, the house that is Jason, the house that is you. I've got this rock over here. It's not a real rock over here, but it symbolizes a rock. And uh, can, can you guys, Andrew and, and uh, you, you guys sitting right here, can you guys come, come grab this? Andrew and Ty, that'll work. Mm. And just set this right here. If you can, you might need some help. Or I can get it by myself. <laughs> you guys work on that. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just set it right here on the side. So now Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to continue and he's going to give the other side of this. <laughs> Maybe if you go off the... I'd go off the stage right there. Like maybe, Ty, you step down. And Terry's going to come and help you. Mm. <laughs> Little entertainment. Mm. I, brought that, I brought that from upstairs by myself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> Just set it right here up on the stage. If you guys ever, uh, if you guys ever, if you guys ever carry plywood or anything like that, it uh, it helps to both get on the same side. Now that's good right there. That'll work. Thank you guys. Give me a hand. Right, dinner and a show. So yes. Okay, so 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 this is going to represent our rock right here. And, and what, what is Jesus talking about, right? Is he talking about like us building a house on that rock? Or is he talking about us? That's us, our, our lives. So he's talking about us. You know, again, it's a fake rock, but it represents. That's right. He's talking about us taking our stand on the rock that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he makes it specific, doesn't he? He says it's not, it's, it's not just... You, you know, you take your stand on this, but it's, it's, you take your stand on my words and on putting those words into practice. 
He says, you, you believe what I say, you hear what I say, and you live out what I say, and so you plant yourself down on this rock and you take your stand there on that rock. And he says that when you do, the rain comes, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against that house, and yet it doesn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. All, that, all the, the storms come, the enemy comes, life comes, it doesn't fall because you are standing on the rock, the Holy One of God, who has the words of life. Now, now the story goes on. You're, you're familiar with it, I'm sure. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. He said, there's another place that you can build. You can, there, there, there's a, a sandy ground I didn't want to dump some, a whole pile of sand right here, but we'll just imagine it, use our imaginations, that there's, that there's sandy ground over here that you can build your house on if you want. So you can come and you can take your stand on the sandy ground if you want to. And he said, that is, that is those who hear my words, but they don't put them to practice. They don't do them. They don't live by the words of life that I bring. He said, they... They, they stand on sandy ground, and he said, when, the, when the, the same things come, when the troubles come, when the enemy comes, when the wind comes, when the waters rise, when the storms come, that, that house has a different reaction. What is it? That house comes crashing down, and great is the crash. And we've all witnessed that, haven't we? We've all seen those who, who choose to build their lives on the sandy foundation, on not the words of life, and we've seen the storms come and the house come crashing down. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this story, is that now, now because we know that Jesus is, we know that this is true. That you can build your house on the rock or you can build your house on the sand. That you've got the choice of where you're going to build. But when the storms come, the house on the rock stands. The house on the sand does not. You say, well, I, you know, I think I'll just be the only one. You know, I'm going to anchor down deep into that sand. You know, I'm the, I'm the rare exception to the rule. No, you're not. No, because... Because this is the Holy One of God speaking. And He says, the only hope you have for standing is if you're standing on the rock. If you're not standing on the rock, if you're standing on the sand, then when trouble comes, and it comes. It comes whether you're on the rock or on the sand. But if you're on the rock, you'll withstand it. If you're on the sand, you'll come crashing down. Now here's the... Here's the uh, solution that I think a lot of people have tried to, have tried to they, they don't really want to wholly stand on the rock, and they don't want to completely stand on the sand, right, because they don't want to come crashing down. So they've invented some middle ground, and they're going to stand on the middle ground. I'm going to stand here, you know, somewhere between the rock and the sand, right, because the rock, man, what Jesus said, that's a little bit extreme, Right, But the sand, you know, I love the beach, uh, but I don't want to come crashing down, you know, so, so don't want to completely stand there. So they've invented some middle ground for them to stand on. Here's the problem with that. 
There is no middle ground. Because Jesus just said too. He said there's the rock and there's the sand. So, so, so the way that it is, and we know that it is because he is. And we know he is because he came out of that tomb. So, so there's the rock that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everything else is sand. And there's no other choice. You plant down and stand on Jesus, on the rock that will hold you securely and keep you standing no matter what comes, or you decide to build on sand somewhere and when the storm comes, I don't care who you think you are, you will come crashing down. The truth is there's not a middle ground. Right, if we go back to John chapter 6, there was two choices. You can walk away from Jesus or you can stay with him. There's not any other choice. And if we look at Revelation 3, we get a pretty good a clear idea of how Jesus feels about middle ground, right? When he talks about the Laodicean church and being lukewarm, he said, I wish you were hotter the other, but you're trying to settle down somewhere in the middle, and because of that, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Because, he, because, it, doesn't, because it's, it doesn't work. Because it's not life. Because it's not good for you. Now here's the, here's the good news. Okay, This is the good news of the gospel. This is my favorite part. Here's the good news. There is no middle ground but there's plenty of room on the rock, right? No, there's not any other place to stand, but there's room here for me and you and everyone who will. Don't you love the gospel? Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood to make room on the rock for everyone who will come to him. Romans 10 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, well, that's not me. <sighs> Have mercy. Yes, it is. It says everyone. It doesn't say everyone except your name. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. You say, well, you don't know where I've gone or what I've done or, or how I've abandoned or how I've rejected or the wickedness in my heart. It doesn't, none of that matters, right? That, that just means that you need salvation. So call on the name of the Lord because everyone who calls on his name shall be saved. There's plenty of room on the rock for me and you and everyone. They tried to keep people off the rock, and that's why Jesus had to go to the cross and shed his blood to make room for all who will to come and stand firmly planted on the rock that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is his words, his truth. They are life. Life is here. When you stand here, come on, devil. Come on, trouble. Come on, storms. I'm going to stand through it all because I'm planted on the rock and here on the rock I live now that's good news but it's not it's not all the good news that I have to share there is there is this reality this truth that many 
have decided to plant on the sand. And their houses have come crashing down. But here's the good news. God is the master builder. He is in the business of making all things new. It's not just the reality of the resurrection that, that, that proves that Jesus is who he is, that we, that we preach, but it is also that we unite with his resurrection. We who have lived on the sand and are broken and beaten and destroyed and have made a mess of our lives, if we'll just, if we'll just allow him to bring us onto the rock, then on the rock he builds us and makes all things New, his resurrection power is at work in us. Let's read Romans 8, verse 11. Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and that Spirit is a Spirit of life that affects your mortal body and this mortal realm and builds you back into the house that God always intended you to be. Hallelujah. You guys aren't shouting as good as I'm preaching, I don't think. Ephesians 1. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says, the power of the resurrection, that power is for us who believe. So that when we look at our lives and say, this is a disaster, this is a mess, no one can fix this, you're wrong. You're wrong. That power, resurrection power, is for us who believe. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, there's plenty of room on the rock, and we plant ourselves down on the rock, and the master craftsman goes to work to build you into the masterpiece that he always formed and created you to be in the first place. He can take your mess and make a masterpiece out of it. That is what he does. You know, the Jesus that was laid down in the tomb is not the same one that came walking out. He was broken and bloody and wounded, pierced, back torn up, dead. But when he came out of there, he was resurrected and healed, forever changed, beautiful. God is in the beauty-making business. You say, man, I've already, I've already planted down in the sand and made a mess of myself. Doesn't matter. God is in the business of calling those things that are not as though they were and making dead things come to life. 
He is in the rebuilding business to where you take your crumpled up mess of a house and you lay it on Jesus because that's all you have left and he takes hold of you and resurrection power that is for us who believe goes to work in your life and rebuilds the mess that you've made into a beautiful masterpiece and no one ever thought it could be. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus changes lives and there's plenty of room for everybody on the rock that is Jesus. And he transforms lives and he wants to change and transform the life of all who will trust in him, all who will believe in him. So on Easter Sunday, we proclaim the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it reminds us that he is who he said he is. And it also reminds us that he makes all things beautiful. That he changes and transforms lives. That he takes our mess and makes it into a beautiful masterpiece. The good news of the gospel. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He has opened the door. The rock is clear Everyone who will can come and plant and stand on Jesus. And when we stand on Jesus, he takes the mess that is our lives and begins to make it into a beautiful masterpiece that is abundant life for us and will bring glory and honor to God as well. This is the good news of the gospel. It's good news. There's a lot of broken, hurting people out there harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, living on the sand and every storm and wind and enemy and attack that comes through is trashing their lives and they don't know what to do. We do. That's why we preach Jesus till the day we die. That's why we gather together and proclaim his name. It's why we pray and give and serve and live because Christ and Christ alone changes lives. And it's Christ and Christ alone upon which we stand. So it's Christ and Christ alone that we proclaim. Jesus saves. He just does. He did it in the past. He does it now. He's going to do it in the future. He'll grab your life, your mess, and make it into a beautiful masterpiece. There's plenty of room on the rock for each and every one of us to come and stand. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed and eyes closed. just want to ask you, on this Easter Sunday, are you in need of the master carpenter to rebuild your life Do you need him to come and do what you've not been able to do? Maybe you've made a mess of things. I'm telling you, he makes a masterpiece out of your mess. If you want this morning to just put your hope and trust in Jesus and to stand on the rock that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and lay yourself into his hands to rebuild your life, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. 
Yes, I see your hands. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to lead in prayer. And you just repeat after me. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I need you. I just do. I've made a mess. I ask you to help me. Come and make me into what you've called me to be. I lay my life in your hands. I give myself to you. I'm going to live on you, through you, and for you. Mold me, shape me, make me into who you want me to be. I declare, Jesus, that you are my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand.